Pastor Sam, thank you for the privilege of being here. I want to thank you now because I may never come back. I just, we'll see what happens. After the last time, a time or two I was up here and the camera startled me. I've had a lot of people offering me counsel. <laughs> We're black. Don't look at the camera, or I mean the, the screens. Wear stripes, but they didn't say which way. So I got that covered. We got both ways going. Mercy. Many years ago, beginning part of a week, I got a phone call from Mark's family. No Mark that you know. He'll come up later. Yeah. Um, they said, we just took Mark to the hospital. And the doctors aren't really sure what's wrong, but he's in the hospital, and we just wanted you to know. So that was on a Tuesday. Um, that week, the next day, I went up, and I visited Mark in the hospital. We were chatting, and, and he seemed fine, except there was a pain that he had in his abdomen, and the doctors weren't sure what it was. And, but no one was really that concerned about it. Thought, well, for sure, Mark is... We're just going to sort this out. Mark's going to be fine, and we're going to give him some medicine and send him home. Then Sunday morning, as I was getting ready to begin the first service, one of his family members came and said, um, Mark's really not doing well. Um, he's in a coma. He's not responding they have absolutely no idea what the matter is. But they've told us to gather around because they don't think he's going to be with us much longer. He's, he's 34 years old. Not much. By not much longer, did you, do you mean yes, we mean not much longer. They have nothing to do. There's nothing they can do. They don't know what to do. But we thought you should know. So as soon as the second service was over, I headed up to the hospital. And as I was on my way to the hospital, I was saying, Father God, this young man, this young father of three kids needs a touch from you. He needs you. He doesn't need anything I've got to offer except as I can offer you. And so, God, I pray that gifts of healing will manifest in me as I go into that room. That as I go, there will be a mantle of the Holy Spirit that will be all over me. And that as I lay hands on him and I anoint him and I pray for him for healing, that, God, you would show up. That the gifts of healing you promise in the word would be there, powerfully be there. And I went there, and I laid hands on Mark, and we anointed him, and we prayed, and then I declared healing in the name of Jesus. I declared that he was to live and not die. I declared that he was going to receive a full healing, whether doctors could explain it or not. And I prayed, and I was done praying, and there was no difference in Mark. And I prayed with the family, and I walked out, and I said, God, I don't know what that was about. Then 
that afternoon, I got a call from Mark. <laughs> from Mark. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he said, this is Mark. I said, Mark who? <laughs> Hallelujah. That man, the doctors never knew what went on, but he went home on Tuesday. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometime after that, a family that I had known from a previous church called me and said, our brother was in a terrible accident. There was a fire in his apartment up at Mount Pleasant, and he was overcome by smoke, and he's right now non-responsive. There's no brain activity. It's like, and I was talking with him, and he said, if we bring him down by ambulance, will you pray for him? I said, I, I can pray for him now. But absolutely, whatever the family wants to do. They brought him down. Sharon and I went up there. We gathered in the room. We prayed for gifts of healing to manifest themselves, for God to touch that young man. College student, young man, full life in front of him. And we anointed him. And we, you're not supposed to do that in the Reformed Church, by the way. <laughs> but we did it. We anointed him, and we prayed that his brain would come back to life, that his body would come back to life, and we saw no change, and a couple days later, I was there as they removed the life support system, and he went to be with Jesus. So Mark walked to his house Keith went home. Now, I've had a lot of time between then and now to sort out what happened. To ask myself and to ask God, God, why is it that Mark was healed and Keith was not? Why is it the gifts of healing that I asked you to manifest seem to produce fruit in one instance and not in another? Now, if you're taking notes, lean in here. You ready? Write this down. I have no idea. <laughs> Those of you who know me well know I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why Mark was healed and Keith was not. But I know this. I know it wasn't because God didn't care. I know it wasn't because God wasn't interested. I know it wasn't because there was no love there for Keith. I know that that is not the case. So when we see healing not take place, as we keep persevering and we keep pressing on, we know it's not because he doesn't care. It's not because he doesn't love us. And I know that heaven for Keith was not a consolation prize. Streets of gold are never a bad trade-off for what's down here, amen? And I know I dealt with the Lord on this and he finally got me to believe this. It wasn't because I didn't do or say the right thing. There is no formula. 
There is no, there are no magic words. There isn't anything that demands a certain response from God because God still is God. He still knows things I don't know and will do things that I don't understand. And just because somebody isn't healed doesn't mean I'm going to stop believing for healing. Amen? Let me just ask you, has anybody here ever gone to a medical doctor? Okay, pretty much everybody. And you go there and you've got an infection and the doctor looks at you and he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a prescription and he writes it down on that pad of paper and, and he peels it off and hands it to you and he says, I want you to try this antibiotic. And right there, when he says try, I'm thinking, what do you mean try? Aren't you the doctor? And then it occurred to me, he says try because he's just practicing medicine. He hadn't quite gotten to actually knowing exactly what's going to happen. So try this antibiotic for a few days, and if it doesn't work, what does he say? Call me. Because why? We're going to try something else. So if you went to the doctor and you got that prescription and you tried it for a few days and it wasn't working, did you say, well, I'm never calling that doctor again. I can't trust him. I took that prescription, I even took an extra pill, and it didn't do a thing. No, you call the doctor, right? You keep on going. Just because when I pray for someone they're not healed today, I'm going to pray for them tomorrow, and I'm going to pray for them the next day, and the next day, and I'm going to keep on going because God also honors our perseverance. Isn't that right? He wants us to keep on going. So, what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about one of the gifts described in our theme passage for this series of sermons. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 and following. And I invite you to turn there with me in your tree Bible or e-Bible. or If you've got this passage memorized, that works too. The Word says... There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one. If you're not an each one, would you raise your hand? You got it. If you are an each one, would you raise your hand? You are an each one. I am an each one. So to each one, all of us here, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common what? Say that again. The common what? Good. The common good. He pours out his gifts as he chooses for the common good for all of us. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another, faith by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healing. We're going to park there later. Gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another, miraculous powers, another prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, speaking different tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, right? And he distributes them to each one as he determines. We're not allowed to complain. 
God, I really wanted the gift of wisdom when he gives us the gift of prophecy. It's like, well, God, that's not my gift. It's like, yes, it is. Because I determine that. And I give it as I please for the common good. So, let's pull out that one gift, gifts of healing. Gifts, you got to notice it's plural. I'll come back to why it's plural in a minute. But notice that it's plural, gifts of healing. Now, some of these spiritual gifts that are mentioned in this passage and in others are resident gifts. Um, for the gift of mercy, uh, the gift of teaching, the gift of administration. These are gifts that are resident in someone. They are poured out on someone, and they're just always there. I mean, can you imagine... Pastor Kerry's here with his North Point sweatshirt on. If Pastor Kerry showed up someday at his North Point classroom and didn't have the gift of teaching, be a little disappointing to those students. And none of them have suggested that that's the case, Pastor Kerry. I just want you to know. Can you imagine if Pastor Doug showed up one day, at, and I can do this because he's not here, um, that Pastor Doug showed up one day at his office without the gift of administration. What a crazy world it would be that day at the church, right? It wouldn't work. And so these gifts are resident gifts. They are given and they stay with us. But there are other gifts, like the gifts of healing, that are not resident gifts. No one person other than Jesus has the gifts of healing all the time. No one person. And you're going to say, oh yeah, but what about this evangelist? He's got the gift of healing. He lays hands on people and they get better. All of them? All of the time? Well, no, not all of them all the time. Tell me someone Jesus prayed for that didn't get healed. Because Jesus had the gifts of healing resident all the time. The rest of us, they're gifts of healing that are not resident. They are given. And so that's why it's really called gifts of healing. Because you get the gift now, and you may not have it a little bit later, and then a little bit later you get the gifts of healing again, and as you seek those, those gifts can be poured out into your life, amen? Anybody here want the gift of healing to manifest in them? That is available to you. See, there's two things that this teaches us. The one thing is that no one person is the healer, just Jesus. So there's no ego here, folks. It's not, hey, look what I did. I healed that man. No, you didn't. You were a conduit, you were a vessel, you were a tool that God used. But whenever I get to feeling too self-reliant, I just remember the message that Balaam had delivered to him. And I figure if, ba if God can use Balaam's donkey, he probably can use even me. You know what I'm saying? So no big egos. The gifts of healing are not resonating in one person, so no big healing. And secondly... You and I, we are on solid ground when we ask for gifts of healing to manifest in us. It is not arrogant. It is not prideful. It is not uh, you trying to develop a following for yourself. It is you saying, God, right now in this situation, a gift of healing is what is needed. So would you manifest in me right now by your spirit as you choose for the common good, a gift of healing to manifest in my life. Amen? Now, 
what I want us to spend some time on is to think about how was it that Jesus, the healer, did go about his healing ministry. Jesus spoke healing. He made healing declarations. And I want to unpack that. You ready? Okay, two of you. The rest of you, feel free to come along whenever you're ready. We'll be here. <laughs> I'm sorry. We see gifts of healing um, in the ministry of Jesus in a lot of places. Um, let's take a look at some of the examples of this. And I just want to, I'm going to read a few passages. Indulge me in this, please. Because what I want to do is I want to take you on the same journey of discovery that I've been taking. You see, if I just tell you what I discovered, you might forget it. But if I help you discover it, it's yours. And you'll remember it. So let's see if we can discover this together. So let's read a few passages. First, Matthew chapter 12. Going from that place, and I, I spent about 20 minutes trying to figure out where that place was. Never did. Going from that place, he went on to their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, that they being the religious leaders, those who wanted to bring him down, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, now if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Of course you will, he's saying, he's implying. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, watch the pattern begin to develop. Stretch out your hand. You see how just simple that was? He didn't cut himself. He didn't dance around. He didn't linger and languish. He just said, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Go with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 40. I'm sorry, verse 50. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, and what he had heard was that Jairus' daughter was sick, um, and in fact had died. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe. How many of you know how hard that was right then? Huh? Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, he said. She's not dead but asleep. They laughed at him because they knew dead when they saw it. And she was dead. But again, now notice the pattern. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and she stood up at once. So did you see in the first instance, stretch out your hand. In this instance, my child, get up. He made a healing declaration. He said, this is what I'm calling on you to do. This is what I'm calling to happen in your body right now. You seeing that? You with me? Ish? Okay. So, John chapter 5, verse 3. 
Here at the pool of Bethesda, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned he'd been in this condition for so long, he said, do you want to get well? I'm thinking the, the guy's first response was, duh. I'm here for 38 years. But he, he was nicer than I am. And he said, sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. You see how very simple and direct Jesus made this declaration. Here's what I need your body to do. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. One more passage, if you will. Actually, I've got the mic, so you will. <laughs> Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Uh, they, they would put them on a, a stretcher, and on, the stretcher would be carried on the shoulders of, of pallbearers. Paul, they, were, they were carrying the pall. That person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Now, Luke is telling us a lot right there that's really important and easy to miss. The only son of a mother, and she was a widow. When her husband died, who became responsible for her care? Her son. Her only son, who is now being carried out dead. And Jesus, he loves widows. I love that we love widows like Jesus loved widows. And Jesus looked at this widow and went, she's got nothing left. She's got no husband. She's got no son. She's got no means of support. She will spend the rest of her life begging in the streets. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the briar they were carrying him on. And the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man got up. He sat up, began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, in each of these examples, and they're typical of the way Jesus did healing as he was with us here, Jesus, first of all, he was always listening to the Father. He was always in an attitude of prayer. He was always prayed up. If you follow his life at all, you know that he went, up, went out to pray early in the morning. The disciples found him off in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. I mean, he was always praying. So it's not that prayer wasn't important for him, but he was always in that sense of Pray, uh, being prayed up, and while we have the word, he was the word. Yeah, so I mean, there was a, a connection that he had with the Father that's different than us, and I'll continue to explain that as we go. So, when Jesus 
was listening. He heard what the Father was saying to him perfectly, and he spoke with authority. Stretch out your hand. Get up. Get up off that mat. Get up off that briar. Get up. There was a declaration that he made. As he spoke, healing power went out, and with that declaration, the person was given the ability to do what he was called to do. Now, please, this is not a formula for miracles. It's not if you just go and you shout, get up, loud enough, they got to get up. Okay, that's, that's not what this is. But when we see a pattern emerge in the life of Jesus, it's good for us to stop and take notice. And that's what we're doing. We're stopping take, and taking notice of the pattern. Well, Peter also stopped and took notice of that pattern. As we, and we see that Peter followed that pattern. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydia. Or, yeah. Lydda. Sorry, everybody. Yes, Pastor Kerry, went, you got it finally. He knew if he was patient, there was a 50-50 chance I'd get there. So there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed, had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Okay, so Peter understood that the gift came through Jesus. It wasn't in him, it was in Jesus. And he said, get up, roll up your mat. And immediately, Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. You see the power of flowing in, in the gifts, what it can bring to those around us. When people see the gifts of God manifest, they go, I want some of that. I want that Jesus you're talking about. I want that kind of forgiveness. I want that kind of fellowship. Well, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. We're continuing on thinking about Peter. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. And she was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in the upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged, please come at once. Now, I got to ask this question. Doesn't it just seem so... Uh, why please come at once? She's not going to be any more dead tomorrow. Right? I mean, she's dead. Please come at once. Why? Because they understood that there was healing, gifts of healing that could flow through Peter because the Holy Spirit would disperse gifts as he chose. And so they were saying, please come at once because we're hoping, we're believing, we have the faith to, to reach out to you and say, we need your gift of, that gift of healing to manifest in you right now. So please come at once. So Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that she had made for him. And Peter sent them out of the room. Then... Now, notice this is a little wrinkle from what we've studied with Jesus alone. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. So as we're trying to understand how we can rightly pray for somebody, we see right here, it's a good idea to be sure we're all prayed up. 
It's a really good idea to be sure we take time to stop and pray. It's a really good idea to be sure that we're taking time to say, God, where is, what's your plan? What's your purpose? How do you want me to move forward at this point? He got down and he didn't just assume because I'm here there must be a healing to happen. He got down and he prayed. And turning toward the dead woman, after he prayed, heard from God, turned toward the dead woman, and he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. So do you see, do you see the pattern? The pattern is we walk in a spirit of prayer. We walk in surrender to the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what Jesus was always doing. I only do what the Father tells me, right? We walk in obedience. We walk in surrender. We walk in submission. We walk in openness. We seek the Lord for wisdom and guidance and understanding. We say, Father God, you say that you will pour out gifts of healing for the common good, and I'm coming to you right now and saying, Father, I, I desire that gifts of healing flow through me. Would you manifest gifts of healing through me right now? Not for my glory, God, but for yours. That the, this person may be brought to a place of healing and wholeness and health and so that the gospel can go forward. That's the pattern. And now it's our turn. And now it's our turn. Pastor Sam... Um, in uh, a message that he gave, wow, 2007 maybe, um, said this, every time these gifts were in operation, it wasn't just to make the church happy, amen, it grew the kingdom. What did the gifts do? It grew the kingdom. What happened when Peter brought Ananias back to life? Well, when Jesus used Peter to bring Ananias back to life, what happened? Everybody in Joppa and Lydia, Lydia, I'm sorry, Pastor Kerry, everybody, it says, came to Christ. They followed after Jesus. They wanted more of this. So remember what we read in 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, who's the each ones? It's us. I'm in each one, you're in each one, everybody's in each one. Everybody here that's saved is in each one. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Not for my good, not for my ego, not for my benefit, but for the common good. We are not to be reservoir, reservoirs of gifts, we're to be rivers of his blessings. We don't hold on to the blessings, they're just to flow through us and flow through us to all those who are in need. We've discovered in this series that there are some people who need a word of wisdom, need a word of prophecy, need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, need discerning of spirits. Those are the gifts along with gifts of healing that are to flow through us. And as they flow through us, then the gospel goes forward with power. Everything changes, beloved, when we get engaged. Everything changes. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we're, we're back at the very beginning of the church. Church is just getting started. The apostles are really the only ones who understand, came to understand finally by that point what, what Jesus was all about. 
And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's great news, right? But he added, he added. The apostles were the ones doing the ministry, and at that point, the Lord could add. Now, if we slide down to Acts chapter 6, the church has been around for a while. The church is growing. And as the church is growing, it's not just the apostles doing ministry anymore, but they've commissioned others to do ministry. After Acts chapter 6, we see deacons being appointed, and we see people rising up within home churches, ministering to each other and praying for each other, laying hands on each other, and doing these Holy Spirit-enabled gifts are being activated and used. And as a result of that, it says... Chapter 6, verse 7, so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. The church multiplied. When it was the disciples, the pastors, the elders, when it was just those few leaders, the church grew by addition. When the body got involved, it grew by multiplication. The church multiplied. See, we're not interested in simply growing our church. We're interested in growing the kingdom. And as you've heard, many of you heard here in, the, in this church, shepherds don't produce sheep. Who does? Sheep do. Sheep give birth to sheep. And the power of that is that if you lead someone to Christ in your workplace, or in your neighborhood, or in your college, if you lead someone to Christ, you're in that relationship with them. And you're gonna be back there tomorrow. And you're gonna say, so what are you thinking? What questions do you have? How, how was your prayer time this morning? When I, you turned to the Bible like we talked about yesterday, did you discover anything? Well, yeah, I saw this. What does that mean? And, and you're discipling them, and you're growing them, and you're producing disciples who will be disciple makers themselves because sheep produce sheep, and they grow the sheep. That's always important for us to know why we're doing what we're doing. And my tablet just froze up. Well, I always told my classes, never bring a tablet, bring paper, because paper never freezes. <laughs> Funny. It's always important to know why we're doing what we're doing. And it's not frozen because I'm old. That's all you youngsters out there saying, well, if he knew what he was doing... Okay, that's a whole different message. <laughs> it's important to know, <laughs> I'm going to say this one more time, maybe I'll listen. Important to know why we're doing what we're doing. When we get together with my daughter and, and son-in-law, Mark and Jen, um, we love to play games. Well, we did before they had four kids. There's no time for games anymore. But <laughs> back in the day, we used to love to play games. And Mark would le learn, uh, want us to learn a new game every time, a new game. And he would always start out like this. The purpose of this game is to win. <laughs> and you win by doing this. He was real clear. His purpose was to win, which he usually did, because he had already read the rules. <laughs> but he would say, 
we're trying to win, and here's how you're going to do it. If the purpose of this game, this game of expanding the kingdom, this game of getting the good news out, this game of growing the body, if the purpose of this game is to win, what does that winning look like? In this series on spiritual gifts, the recurring theme has been these gifts need to get out into the marketplace. These gifts are not just for the church. Can they operate in the church? Yes. Will they operate in the church? Yes. Should they? Yes. Should they stop at the doors? No. Pastor Sam is not the least bit interested in 3,000 people, well, maybe a little bit interested, in, in, in 3,000 people coming here. But what Pastor Sam, Pastor Bender want is 3,000 people going out going out into the marketplace with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, taking words of wisdom and words of knowledge and words of prophecy and speaking in tongues and praying with power and gifts of healing, right? That's where the kingdom is going to happen. That's where this is going to explode. That's where what we're called to be. We're not just supposed to be a country club that gathers on Sundays so that we can, you know, pat ourselves and say, oh, wasn't that a good time, Millie? I enjoyed the worship. It was lovely today. No, it's about let's get out, right? Let's go do it out there where people, and this thing is still frozen. It's entirely possible that I have it on my phone. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Just talk amongst yourselves. Oh. All right. I have a clue where I'm headed now. You thought we were just getting done. Mm -hmm. I did that. Okay. <laughs> Looks like I'm done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'll find a way to thank him later. So if the purpose of this game is to win, winning looks like us each one, we're all each ones, each one of us taking these gifts with us to work, to college, to Meyer, to Walmart, to our neighbors, to our family gatherings. That's what winning looks like, beloved. So, this series has been all about training us, each of us, to hear God speaking to us. It's been about learning, say, God, is this what a word of prophecy feels like when it comes? Is this what it looks like? Is this how I act on that? This series is about, God, that gift of wisdom that Pastor Jamie talked about last week, the, the gift of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. It's, it's about us saying, God, this person sitting in the desk, in the chair next to me, the desk next to me, 
just found out that the doctor says that it's cancer, would you manifest gifts of healing? God, I want to have the boldness to go pray for her. I want to be able to walk up to her having heard you, been empowered by your Holy Spirit, and I want to see gifts of healing activated so she knows how much you love her. She knows that you can be trusted. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, what, what I want to do is I want to model this approach, th th this pattern that I see in Jesus. I, I want to pray a prayer like I would pray if I was praying for somebody. And I, I picked Walt. I'm going to pray for Walt tonight. You may know Walt. You might not. You might recognize him. You might not. doesn't matter. You're going to agree with me. I'm going to model this. And some of you are probably already doing this. Then I'm going to ask if there are any here who have a need for healing. And I'm going to ask you if you're willing to be bold enough to raise a hand and then to stand. And then I'm going to ask people that are around you as they feel called to follow this pattern, not, not this formula, but this pattern of seeking gifts of healing and going over and praying as you feel the Lord is giving you the, the words to say. Does that sound all right? I was sure hoping somebody would say yes. All right, so not in any kind of an act or perfunctory way, but let's pray for Walt. Father God, we give you honor and glory because you are good. Your love for us, your love for Walt is absolutely unlimited. And Father God, as I pray for Walt in just a minute, would you give me words of wisdom and insight? Would you give me revelation of exactly what I should say and, and how best to address what's going on in Walt's mind and his emotions, his body? And Father God, I have nothing apart from you that Walt needs right now. So, even as you said you have done and are doing, will you manifest gifts of healing in and through me right now? Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you anoint me to flow with that gift of healing? Not for me, God. Because you love Walt. I tell you in the name of Jesus, be healed. I tell you in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit that cancer has no right in your body. I tell you in the name of Jesus that the cancer is a rebellion that comes from the pit of hell and it must go in the name of Jesus. I tell you that we are making no place for you, cancer. We are calling on you in the name of Jesus to go to the dry places where Satan, where Jesus sends you. Get out in the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, God, I speak new tissue in places where cancer has destroyed tissue. I speak new vital tissue. I speak new, new organs and new cells and new blood vessels. In the name of Jesus, Walt, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Hallelujah. Amen.